welcome to a brand new year and a brand new episode of Opera After Dark. Ooh. <laughs> I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. And I'm Kyle. And so we thought the best possible way to start 2017 would be to talk about some badass women. Some badass mm-hmm. ladies. We started out talking about some dudes, so now we're going to talk about some sweet, sweet ladies. We are very inspired by Clara Schumann in previous episodes. Yes. So we decided to try and find some other amazing, wonderful, talented, genius women who contributed to the evolution of classical music. There are many of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kyle. Sure. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we've been drinking for a while? Um, yeah, so I picked a bottle of wine that had a badass woman on it. Yep. Doing her goddess angel thing while still holding a goblet of wine. Hmm. Uh, it's a Montes Malbec from Chile. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't have a great description, so maybe we'll just pass right by that. Okay. All right, it's pretty good. I don't mind it. Ten bucks, people. Ten <laughs> bucks. Should I, I shouldn't have said that. <coughs> people are going to think we're slightly less classier uh, than it, they obviously they'd already $32 do. $32.99. $56.75. A mid-level yeah. priced bottle of Malbec. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's good. It's delicious. It I'm good. drinking it on ice. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> she's so, classy. Classy like so that. Because when you're Canadian, nothing's ever cold enough. <laughs> Oh. It's 22 degrees outside, so I want my beverage oh, cold. Cold. Yeah. Throw some snow in there. We yeah. As, we may as well also put it out there that Elspeth is ill. Elspeth is ill, and she's being a trooper recording with us today. I'm a trooper. Who are our badass women? I, I have no idea. Because that's your role. Right. Yes, yes, that's what I do. <laughs> well, we're actually going to start. I'm going to tell you about a woman who was an opera singer in the 17th century. I don't know how much impact she had on the world of classical music, but her story is so awesome that if you've never heard of her, you really should because she was a total badass. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, this woman, her name was Julie d'Aubigny. Um, I'm going to refer to her as her stage name going forward because we actually don't know if Julie was her given name. Mm. Um, She was either born in 1670 or 1673. People still aren't sure about that. Mm. Um, But she was known as La Maupin. Um, Is there a translation for that? Well, I'll get to it in a second. She's known as La Maupin because when she got married, she married basically Monsieur Maupin. So she was Mm. Mademoiselle Maupin. And then when she took to the stage, she was known as La Maupin. Okay. I think it's a town. I don't I'm know. With you. Whatever. <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> so this woman was born in 1670 slash 1673, maybe. Um, I don't know what happened to her mother, but her dad was a real piece of work. His mm. name was Gaston. <laughs> like Beauty and the Beast. Like Gaston. Beauty and the Beast Gaston. Um, <laughs> And he was the Grand Squire of France. And that means he was in charge of training all of Louis XIV's pages and troops. Wow. So, that seems important. Right. Mm-hmm. He was pretty high up. So she had a pretty cushy life growing up. Um, so he would spend most of his time fencing nonstop during the day. And then afterwards, he would hit up gambling dens, bars, and brothels. Nice. Totally. 
So given the circles in which he ran, it will be a surprise to no one that his main ideas for daddy-daughter bonding time were teaching her how to use deadly weapons <laughs> and using said weapons to drive off any potential suitors. So she grew up um, basically training with all the men that her father trained. So she nice. was like this amazing sword fighter, knows all this stuff about poison and hand-to-hand combat. Kind of like a daughter of the regiment? I mean, does she really fight? I don't know that. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. But no, she's this just is like, like a legit daughter of the regiment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I just couldn't pass it up. You know. <clears throat> Good one, Kyle. But Good I one. Right. So. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> so she grew up knowing how to fight, and her father sort of taught her to sort of fend off any kind of suitors, and he was very against his daughter ever having any kind of relationship whatsoever. Wow. So um, she got around that. Um, by basically starting an affair with a man named Louis de Lorangouise, who was the master of horses for King Louis XIV, who was her dad's boss. Mm. So he was like the only man that she could have sex with that her father couldn't challenge to a duel. Oh. Is that like the explicit explicit reason? Pretty much. So she was 14. How old was this guy? Not 14. She was 14? Yeah. He, he was mean, not 14. Back, back then, 14 was like <laughs> 17. I'm it was dead. like mm. near time. I feel like people, like women. I feel like it was normal for women to be married off around that right. age. Like 16 to 18. Or at 14. I, I'm sure. Like, because basically, as, as, as soon as you got your period, you were a woman. Right. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. That is true. So let's say this guy was 30. He wasn't. He was probably way older than that. Whoa. Um, they had an affair for a while, and obviously she grew up kind of wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. And so her boyfriend sort of got fed up with that. So um, <laughs> he arranged too to have her. Him. Right. She was too much for him. So he arranged to have her married off to a very mild-mannered clerk, which is the, Mon- the Monsieur de Maupin. Uh-huh. And he was hoping that if he married her off to this man, she would settle down a little bit and everything would be fine. Um, soon after they got married, so she did marry him, and I want to point out that she stayed married to him for the rest of her life. Okay. Okay. So after the wedding, her husband <laughs> what got... What else did she do? <laughs> well, you're going to find out. It's a, it's a lot. I know. Um, her husband received an administrative position um, in the south of France. So he went, but she was like, I'm cool. So she stayed in Paris. Oh, nice. Um so the only thing that this guy really provided for her was a title, a little bit of money, and a wedding ring. Mm. And I cannot stress enough how important it was to have her married because using her marital status, um, she could sort of wander around and be incredibly promiscuous and do all these crazy things she would not be able to get away with if she was an unmarried woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. So her husband's off doing I don't, whatever. Boring, I don't know where clerical he is. things. Clerical things, wherever the hell he is, France, Africa, I don't know. He's probably, um, but let's, I mean, he's a man in the 17th century, so he's probably <laughs> having his own extramarital affairs. I'm assuming that she, La Malpin, is, that's where this is going. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You made yeah, it sound yeah, like, but I'm sure he's doing his own. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Let's be real. Right. <clears throat> All right, so he's gone doing, you know, whatever. Um, so La Malpin, she moves to Marseille, and she starts hooking up with this expert fencing master, who also... Nice. Happened to be on the run for murder after he stabbed some guy to death in an alley outside of Paris. Nice. 
So they get together. So it's the bad boys. And he started training her in the art of fencing for a while until she realized that she was way better at it than he was. And so she just ditched him. Um, And she earned a living through singing and dueling demonstrations in all these towns. She would like travel around, she would sing songs and do like dueling demonstrations. Stop laughing. (laughs) I'm singing. And I'll cut you. And I'm singing. And um, we she are was fresh off the holidays. Usually, um, she did this dressed as a man, which was a fashion that she'd keep with her for the rest of her life. Okay. Um, she was already so skilled with the sword at this point in her life that audiences didn't believe that she was actually a woman sometimes. There's a story that one drunken onlooker proclaimed loudly that she was actually a man, and in response, she tore off her shirt, <gasps> saying, let the audience decide for themselves, providing everybody ample proof that she, in fact, was a lady. Confident lady. <laughs> As she should be. <clears throat> She's a confident lady. So if this woman had one sort of overriding flaw, it was an allergy to boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, not long after she dumped that fencing master murderer dude, <laughs> um, she decided that she was tired of men in general, and so she seduced a local merchant's daughter. Ooh. Um, the merchant, who was desperate to separate the two of them, sent his daughter to a convent. But again, Laurent Pan, she doesn't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. So she joined the convent herself, <laughs> and she nice. started hooking up with her intended inside a house of God. Nice. Um, so they were together for a while. Shortly into their convent stay, an elderly nun passed away from totally unrelated causes. She was old. She died. Um, okay. No foul play is suspected. Right. And Laurent Pan, seeing a way for them to get out, she took the body, put it in her lover's room so people would think it was her, and then set the whole convent on fire. And they escaped. Wow. So she did it. So maybe when they found the remains, they'd be like, oh, it was that one girl. She must have died in this fire, and no one would come looking for them. Oh, So they hid gosh. out as lovers for a couple of months. That's crazy. Wait, so did she, when she went and joined the convent, were they not like, uh, but what about your husband? Like, what, what about your title? They didn't know who she was. She could say anything. Come on. She had moved to Marseille by this yeah. point. Like, uh, who knows where so. her husband is? Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. <clears throat> Fair enough. There's no ID at this point. No, no right. Okay. Um, there's no pic- not like photographs <laughs> either. I mean, no one knows what this one looks like. Uh. But apparently she was very beautiful. <clears throat> All right. So after about three months of this, Lamont Pan got bored with her and then dumped her back on her parents' doorstep and then ran off into the night. That's cold. <clears throat> All that trouble for three months of fun. Hey. Well, hey. It sounds like she wants what she can't have. I mean, we can psychoanalyze her until like the cows come home. But. She <laughs> wants this lady, can't have her. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. she gets her, then she doesn't want it. Yeah. Or maybe or she's just easily bored, like she said. Mm. That's true. Susceptible to boredom. So for this sort of bout of shenanigans, she, uh, Le Montpin was sentenced to death. In response, she approached the um, man that she had an affair with way back when she was 14. Nice. And through the his influence, master. yeah, yeah, convinced Louis XIV to revoke her sentence. Wow. Which he did. Whoa. <clears throat> um, and she took advantage of her new lease on life by running off to Paris. She ended up joining the opera, which I'll get into in a little bit. And I just want to say that she did all of this before she was 20. You're all of this happened before she was 20. Wow. Super eventful life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So you said you're, you're going to get into the offer part? I am getting it, into it right now. Oh, I was going to say, it's worth <clears throat> noting that at that point, there were not lady opera singers. There were a few. Yeah, there were. Oh, I thought at that point, the ladies were not singing. In Italy. Ah. We be en français. I didn't know that. I thought it was a general, nobody, no, none of you ladies sing. The French. The, the papal states, which yes. is mainly Italy. And, oh. and the French know. really despised and were disgusted by the whole trend of the castrati. Right. So mm. they were not a fan of having castrati singing In anything, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Okay. publicly. Good for, good for them. <laughs> That's the way to take a stand. Yeah. So apparently when she was running around outside singing songs and humiliating her enemies in the dueling circle, mm-hmm. some essentially, we can call them powerful record execs, were in the audience, and they were <laughs> so impressed by her contralto voice that they decided she should be doing better things than stabbing people for spare change. Um, and singing about it. Right. So in the span of a few months, um, she went from a completely untrained street performer to the lead actress in the world's most respected opera, the Paris Opera House. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and she played roles of a lot of badass classical chicks like Athena, Medea, and Dido. Hmm. Wait, where does she train? Did she... she didn't train. And apparently she had an innate musical talent and a very big flair for the dramatic, and she also had a near-photographic memory, and she really needed to read her lines more than once before she committed them to memory. Wow. So if only that happened. I know. (laughs) For me as well. So becoming like an opera singer slash rock star of this time did not quell her um, sort of violent tendencies. Yeah, she gets bored. (laughs) Adventurous street. Um, so I have a couple of stories of her time in Paris when she was an opera singer opera singer. There was another singer, a man at that time, who started talking about a number of the women, including Malpin. And she responded by ambushing him, pushing a sword in his face, and demanding a duel. Um, And he refused, basically on the grounds that he was kind of a wimp. She (laughs) beat the crap out of him with a cane and stole a snuff box in his watch. With a cane. Right. So the next day, she heard him complaining to all his compatriots that he had been assaulted by a gang of thieves, because like he shows up to rehearsal and his face is all busted up. And everyone's like, oh my god, what happened? And he was like, all these people attacked me. And so all she, these people. Right. She walked in and said he was a liar and a coward and threw his watch and his snuff box at him and declared that she alone had architected his ass beating. Nice. <laughs> and somebody needs to make a movie out of this. He sounds amazing. I know. Well, she inspired a bunch of novels and some paintings and things. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's a movie about her. Oh, no. There is. It's an old movie and Greta Garbo is in it. Uh, and I think it probably slides over the bisexual stuff. Oh, really? Most likely. I would imagine. For that era. For that era that they would. Hey, this is 2017. <laughs> I think we're ready for the bisexual stuff in a film. Totally. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. make it happen. Are you film execs that are listening so to this you, or you Are you going to talk later about the paintings and books? Because if not, I'm curious. Do you know any... Yeah, I can get to that in a second. That's fair. I mean, we... um, there was a man named Theophile Gaultier, and he wrote um, a novel called Mademoiselle de Maupin, published in 1835. Nice. This is one of the things that she inspired. Right. Um, and the, the book was so controversial, it was banned by the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice and Authorities Elsewhere. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Man, don't you, aren't you glad that that doesn't exist? Now, I'm assuming it doesn't exist. The New York Society on the Suppression of Vice. I don't think that it does. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> How lame would that be? If that was the case, we probably wouldn't have a podcast. That's true. We That's would true. be suppressed we by, have the, by the vice. Yeah. Writing. I have a couple. I have a couple more stories. Okay. 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 Right. So one night, she was out drinking on the town, and this uh, young man began hitting on her in a really crude fashion. She had just finished singing for the bar, and he let loose with this one-liner. <laughs> Saying, I've listened to your chirping, now tell me of your plumage, which apparently <laughs> is like the 17th century version of does the carpet match the drapes kind of thing. Whoa. <clears throat> so, she I obviously, didn't... like, got... <laughs> I, so, as I mentioned to you guys earlier, not on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been watching a lot of The Office lately. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I just imagine like Steve Carell. <laughs> <laughs> like a Michael Scott kind I've of thing. I've listened to your chirping. <laughs> now let me see your <laughs> Well, in this movie about her, we can cast him. Oh, God. How great it's would perfect. that be? Perfect. Yeah. Um, so obviously she got mad. And, and she got into a fight him with him. And two of his buddies. Wow. Beat the crap out of all of them. Nice. And she took her sword and ran it clean through his shoulder and she said she, she carried a sword oh always of course she did well she like waltzed around dressed That's as a true. man from That's the yeah. she was an expert Defensing. expert right. fencer okay. um so she felt a little bit bad about that <clears throat> so she visited him later at the hospital um and hooked up with him oh, oh. man so we did right. get to see the plumage he did and apparently the relationship <laughs> only lasted a little bit but they remained friends for the rest of their lives oh how weird is that? Like, that bums you me. stabbed my shoulder. Yeah. That kinda, you, it why bums does that bum me you out. out? It bums me out because then the pickup line worked. Yeah, I mean, he had to get stabbed in the shoulder for it, and his I, friends got the shit beat out of them. I but. guarantee he thinks it's worth it. Because he stayed friends. If it wasn't worth it, he would have been like, screw off. That's true. Sounds like she was such... A vivacious personality vivacious. that, like, wouldn't you want that exciting of a woman in your life, even if it's just as a friend? Definitely. So, do we? Do you know anything about her stature? Like, was she a you know formidable? Apparently, like a tall woman, very beautiful, dark hair. Because I feel like mm-hmm. in order to just pulverize people, she would need to be. You know, she couldn't be petite. She not that she could be petite, but she's. Yeah, but she's going to beat somebody with a cane. She might need some, like, muscle behind her. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, a lot of the time when you read about, like, women in novels and things like that that are good at sword play of this era, they usually, like, compensate for their lack of size and brute force with fast, quick movements. Mm. So maybe Mm -hmm. she was just faster than all these, like, lumbering, brutish men. Maybe. Who knows? in the movie version, she would actually be like tiny, but super know. quick. Well, she's supposedly tall, but maybe she wasn't oh. like tank like. Maybe she was, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, one more story. Yes, please. So, she <laughs> attended a royal ball thrown by Louis XIV, and she came dressed as a man. She spent most of the evening courting a specific young woman, which upset the young woman's suitors, these three men. And Lomelpan pushed things a little too far, and she kissed the young lady in full view of everyone. So these three suitors challenged her to a duel. She fought all of them right outside the royal palace and won. According to some accounts, she actually killed them. Nice. Um, 
And this entertained Louis XIV so much that he pardoned her from like any further punishment. Yeah, I was going to ask. So if it wasn't for the entertainment value, she presumably would have been punished for kissing a lady in public. And well, three people. with that last one, she didn't actually didn't get off completely scot-free. Um, the anti-dueling laws of the time were that, very severe. Say, dueling. Mm-hmm. And even though the king had basically pardoned her, <laughs> he said that this law governed men, but it didn't say anything about women. Because of this and all the anti-dueling sentiment, she ran off to Brussels until like the heat kind of died down. Hmm. While in Brussels, she, surprised, took another lover, this nice. time the elector of Bavaria. The two sort of grew apart Uh in short order. Apparently, the elector was a little bit upset when she stabbed herself on stage with an actual dagger. See, that's when you cross over into... No, 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 no. Like, that is also badass, but that's a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, he tried to get her to leave the house by bribing her with 40,000 francs, but she threw the coin purse um, at his face and started swearing at him in some verses. She also, you know, kicked him down the stairs. Nice. Oh, you know. Um, I'm still yeah. not getting over the stabbing yourself with an actual. <laughs> she did. Did she do that for just dram- pure dramatic effect? Yeah, I think they're having a fight. But she's Wait, on, stage on stage and she stabs herself. I did say that. That is what I meant. Yeah, for like dramatic effect. For dramatic in the effect. moment. Yeah, and like she just wants it to be so real. Yeah, right. like I don't need a stage dagger. I've got my own dagger. Like she's like so in the moment. And then and this upsets her lover so much that she would do like, this. Like, do self-harm. Right. Like, okay, we shouldn't be together yeah, anymore. I think like you're that's... mentally unstable. Yeah, that's crazy. If you <laughs> and she's like, yourself, I'll show you mentally unstable. Um, anybody that would stab themselves, I feel like, well, I shouldn't say anybody. but Most people. If you would stab yourself, then I think you would probably stab somebody else. Which I guess he already knew about her. She stabbed a lot of people. I'm just saying, include. I probably freaked him out. Like I would not want to like sleep in that bed. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. At that point in time, did men and women like couples sleep in the same bed? Or I don't it? think that she sort of like kept to conventions of you're the right, day. You're right. You're um, right. Okay. So while she was in Brussels, she sang with the opera there for about a year. This is around 1695, mm-hmm. and after that, she returned to the Paris Opera to replace an ailing singer. And until about 1705, Le Maupin sang at the Paris Opera in new operas by a bunch of composers that nobody knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, we're big at the time. Pascal Colasse, André Cardinal de Touche, and André Compra. Um, oh, she we, sang... We still have some Compra around. Do we? Not like a lot, but a little bit. Do we have a clip of some Compra that we could play right now? I one, and if we have one, we'll drop it in right here. All right, great, because <laughs> we need a musical clip. Mm-hmm. Love it.
Uh, she also sang at the court at Versailles on a number of occasions. Mm. Uh, the final years of her good. career were spent in a relationship with a noblewoman, the Madame de Marquise de Florensac. She retired from opera in 1705, and she took refuge in a convent, probably in Provence, where she died in 1707. She has no known grave, and no one actually knows how she died. She was, as best as anyone could guess, around 37 when she died. That's young. Yeah. I know. Although, for that time period, probably like, old. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was if it probably was old, syphilis. Probably, judging from her extracurricular activities. She probably died of syphilis. But I feel um, like the life expectancy then was probably like, like 50. 50 yeah, so. yeah. Um, her life story was therefore uh, thereafter reported in a number of articles, usually in those sort of pearl-clutching, vapor-having, high-society women things that might use to describe her as like the Bride of Satan or something like that. <laughs> Whoa. Several of these stories the of Satan. took like a moral bent to them and claimed that she had a massive change of heart late in life, became religious, and rejoined a convent. Yeah, right. um, given that these articles seemingly only exist to use her life as a morality tale, we're not really sure how literally to take them. I bet <clears throat> the only reason she would have joined a convent again is because she wanted to hook up. Maybe, and I think maybe if she was sick and she'd been in a comment before, maybe she went there and be like, I don't want to do anything, do anything or talk to anybody <laughs> not, right not now. Not that people and don't do anything in comment. No, you know what well, I mean. maybe she was hiding, too. Like, yeah. You know, maybe she just was tired to of escape. men. Maybe she was like, ugh. She's just tired of everyone. Men I do want to reiterate that throughout her whole entire life, she was still married, married to, to that dude. Wow. So they never... No. Separated. No, no, no. I mean, they, they lived ever, separate lives. Did they ever see each other? No. Like, so he went to the south of France, and that was it. They never saw each other again. Right, and she I think... went there. He presumably just... No, she stayed in Paris. He oh, first okay. went to the south of France, and then I think he had some sort of, like, ambassador role, so he ended up in, you know, God knows where. Hmm. Huh. But, I mean, whatever. That's I think he cool. married her as a favor to... Master of horses, and that was a sort of, you know. <laughs> mm. Well, no, master of horses was who she hooked up with. The first guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's the one that orchestrated her marriage because uh, she was a little too wild for him, so he was like, I'm going to marry her off, so maybe she'll, like, settle down a little bit. Mm. He was probably a lot older than her. Oh, yeah. And she was probably just way too, way too much, too high-strung. She seemed like a lot. <laughs> But there you go. It's so funny. 17th century opera singer mm-hmm. that maybe you don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. Elspeth, I feel like because what? like because you're a little bit sick, like mm-hmm. you, your tone com- comes off as like, yeah, it's just, you know, all of this is matter of fact. Like, totally Well, I mean, normal. it happened. You get in a, du- in a duel. You. Uh, she had an act, singing and sword fighting. <laughs> yeah, you hook up with a bunch of people and uh, sing she, in some she, opera houses. She, she lived her life. Let's she be honest. Life. I mean... A lot of people that sing in opera houses today do other things as well. So they have hobbies. <laughs> they have just, side hustles. It's just not as it were. Or I mean, if you could make your money as a side hustle fencer. Yeah. Why not? It's just such a bizarre combination of skills. I felt like I read. <clears throat> and yeah, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Vittorio Grigolo was like in his younger years. He had to make a decision between being an opera singer and being a race car driver. Like, he was very into, what? like, Formula One. 
that. That's Whoa. cool. We'll have to substantiate that, and maybe right. we can link to it or something. Well, what's the conductor? Isn't it Fabio Luisi? He's expert perfume. Yes. Really? Did he? He, uh, he <laughs> like and Renee Fleming like created a perfume, right? Yeah, like they his... sold it at the the Met Opera Shop. Yeah, and he's like seriously into it. So apparently, it's and he's super legit too. Yeah. What is that perfume? Is it like Eau de No, what's Diva? it called? La Voce. La Voce. Yeah. Oh, okay. La Voce. Yeah. Yeah. So I also think this would be an amazing opera and somebody should write it. Who should no star kidding. in it? Your girlfriend? She could do it. She would, she would look really good in all the, the men's male clothes, which is like all she wore. Just in case anybody doesn't know about my opera obsession, we're talking about Isabel Leonard. Wonderfully right. talented. Well, I think, I think that as much as I also love Isabel Leonard and think she's amazing, Elspeth and I might go to bat and gang up on you to cast Barbara Hannigan. <gasps> we love her. All right. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. Yeah. I, I thought perfect. you were going to talk directly to Barbara Hannigan again, as you are off to do. Babs. please 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 Ah. if you're listening again with everything whatever you want is fine with us Mm -hmm. all right and we're gonna leave you guys um with some compra as a play out so you can sort of hear the music that she might have sung obviously it's not her singing it Mm -hmm. um and join us next week for part two of badass women where we're going to be talking about Difficult Divas, which will be some names that you probably (laughs) recognize a little more than this one, but her story is so awesome that we wanted to kick off 2017 with it. Um, So I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. And I'm Kyle. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Drake that says, I'm ill, not sick. 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll cut that out. No. <laughs> Failed pop culture reference. Yeah. Can we get Drake on the podcast? What's Drake Ooh. even doing? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, there was Degrassi, and then... You know him. He's Canadian. Yeah, speaking of Canadians. <laughs> don't you have him on, like, yeah, speed dial? Yeah, he was my dialer, so... He was my babysitter <laughs> my growing babysitter. up. <laughs> <laughs> he is, camp counselor. Is he from the Toronto area? I actually have no idea. I think he is, if I had to guess. Look it up. All right. Because the Google only it. city you know in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no. Quebec. Vancouver. Montreal. Very good. Very good. Keep Winnipeg. Going. Nice. Banff. Nice one. Thank you. There's I'm a festival if, there. If it's beautiful. Is Saskatchewan is a, a province? Province. Yeah. yeah. But Saskatoon oh. is a major city in Saskatchewan. Now we know. Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. I Shout out only... to all you Saskatoonians <laughs> <laughs> listening. Listening to the podcast, Saskatoon. <laughs> Yeah, the, the only uh, <clears throat> time I've ventured into Canada was just barely across the border at Niagara Falls. <laughs> I've never been to Canada. One what? day, Opera After Dark will do a grand oh. tour of Canada. Oh, that would be so mm. great. It's a beautiful country. <laughs> Opera After Dark, the Canadian tour. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spit your wine. I won't. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. All right, well, while Kyle looks up Drake. Where Drake was born. Where was Drake born? Just taking a long time. I know, I'm taking a really long time. Is he not on Wikipedia? Nailed it. Born (laughs) Aubrey Drake Graham. Right. October 24th. Right. 1986. He's 30 years old. Right. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Oh, shit. You got lucky. Showed me Find him at drakeofficial.com. Oh, does Drake control drakeofficial.com? His people do. What am I doing? What am I doing? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I'm living life right now, man. And this is what I'm going to do till it's over. Till it's over. But it's far from over.